Welcome to another episode of What's Your Story with your host, Todd Phillips. What's Your Story is a Togo Tunes Entertainment production. Starship presents Charlie the Human. Charlie! Charlie! Mm. What's with the sunglasses and the fancy hat? It's called a beret, baby. And to answer your question, it's to show that I have good taste. Good taste? Yeah, I want to show Starship that I have what it takes to be picked by them. After all, the only one humans with good taste. But Charlie, Starship only wants humans that taste good, not humans with good taste. Yeah, you just don't know what you're talking about. And besides, you just don't have what it takes to be Starship material. What the? Praise be, hallelujah. Hello, Starship, I'm ready for ya. Ooh, sorry, Charlie. Only the best tasting humans get to be Starship. So remember, insist on Starship. You know, I never understood these commercials. Isn't it weird that Charlie wants to be caught so he could be probed, chopped up, cooked, and then shoved into cans for our consumption? Oh, it's just marketing. Don't overthink it. More human of the sea. Oh, do I? Welcome to another What's Your Story podcast, formerly known as the Boing podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you here, and even more so to have the opportunity to share with you some of the most interesting, insightful conversations that I've had the privilege of partaking in with my many esteemed guests, leaders, and forward thinkers in their respective fields. When I think of Charles Brubaker, I immediately think of some of the old Terry Toons style of cartoons, namely Tom Terrific, as well as a combination of works like from the J. Ward Production Studio, Total Television Studio with Joe Harris's Underdog, with a sprinkling of Harvey Toons thrown in for good measure. Charles has had his hands in many facets of cartoons, including, and not limited to, webcomics, traditional comics, magazines, storyboards, and more recently, independent animation. Born in Nagasaki, Japan, Charles was exposed to a myriad of cartoons and styles, and those influences are evident as they seem to seep through the ink from his pen to paper, or digital screen depending on his application on a given day. I had a chance to catch up with Brubaker from his home studio in Martin, Tennessee, and I talked with him about many of his projects and, of course, his beloved characters from Ask a Cat, The Funny Princess, a witch named Coco, and his recently published animation works. I mean, after all, everyone has a story, and here is Charles Brubaker's. Charles, welcome to the podcast today, and I hope everything is going well for you on this fine Friday in August. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So many are, many people will obviously recognize you as the artist behind Ask a Cat and the Fuzzy Princess, as well as a witch named Coco the comic strips and the books. But before we get into that, um, I want to learn a little bit more about your background, if we, if we can, and 
Um, uh, if I have this correct, uh, you were born in Japan. Is that right? Yes, I was. And how long did you live there before moving to the States? I mean, did you were you raised there? Yeah, I was raised in Japan, and I basically lived there until I was 18, then moved to Tennessee full-time. Ah, that. wow. Been here, been here since then. One thing I'm always intrigued about is that what the entertainment climate's like and for you know people growing up in, um, in different parts of the world. And what was it like for you in Japan? I mean, what kind of comic books and cartoons and media did you enjoy over there? Was it, obviously they had a lot of manga, but what was it like? Well, I grew up in a Japanese-American household and my parents worked at a Navy base accessible as college professors. So, and my dad especially would bring back, you know, the Stars of Stripes newspapers, which has the comic strip. So, you know, I read I was able to read a lot of comic strips, you know, in Japan as well. And, yeah, I watched a lot of, you know, you know read it and watched a lot of, you know, anime and manga as well. Like, I think, you know, so I, you know, I like the cartoony, you know, manga, you know, released in Japan as well. So that's, you know. That's cool. That's so you kind of got like a blend of everything. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, very much, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, I can only speak for myself, but growing up here, you know, in the States, it's it's just like you don't even think of it when you're, well, of course, when you're little, you're not going to know, but you don't even think of like that anything could be possibly different than what you're consuming here, you know, uh, but oh, uh, yeah. it's just kind of cool as you, you know, as we mature and start to realize, my God, there's like a whole other world out there. It's like, look at this, look at this work. Um, it's just fascinating. But um, so what brought you to the States originally? What made you choose Martin? Oh, uh, well, we we had connect. My family had ties with Martin for a while. Like my dad, briefly taught at the UTM, and we had a you know we we had a house you know already. So when my dad retired and moved, semi-retired and moved you know to the states, you know we just moved to the house we had we already had in Tennessee, cool. basically. So cool. was, yeah, yeah, interesting because it's. You know, you just don't come across a lot of people. I I don't like in the. I'm sure there's tons of creative people in Martin. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, when I saw that that uh, that was your um, your home, uh, you know, I thought, oh, that's really cool because you're like two and a half hours north of me. Um, <laughs> it just was really interesting. And I've the closest I've been to Martin, I think, was I don't. You're probably not familiar with this little tiny town called Bucksnort. Uh-huh. Um, between I think it's more between Nashville and, and Martin, but um, and it was you know funny story behind that, but I won't get into that. But okay. but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, that's that's really cool. Um, this next question it may, may it may be a little bit out of order here, but but I wanted to hit it because I probably won't hit it once we get get into um, Coco and um, Fuzzy Princess and stuff, but. Um, you, when you look at your your resume and everything, you see that you've um, made contributions to SpongeBob and Mad Magazine, and I have seen the SpongeBob contributions, by the way, and they're awesome. Oh, thanks. In your opinion, were they good? You know, good experiences. Um, did you enjoy that? You know, that time working with uh, and the SpongeBob books, um, and uh, what exactly did you do with uh, Mad? Oh yeah, I had fun with them, especially with the SpongeBob and with Mad. I 
wrote a series of strips. Mad used to have a thing called Strip Club where they would have several different <laughs> comic strips, you know, mostly done by people with comic strip backgrounds. Like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I remember, I think I remember that Paul Gilligan, the Pooch Cafe guy, did a few strips for them, and yeah, yeah. yeah. and Chris Baldwin, who did a web comic called Little D, you know, he had a series with in that section for a long time. Anyway, I did a... So I wrote a series of strips called Jerry Stavis about a... about a short guy who... who's a prank expert and he... you know, does over-the-top pranks some people and... Yeah, I wrote funny. several... I wrote several strips with that and... Pat Dorian, who's a fantastic artist, did the art. And cool. That's I think neat. I did about five or six of those strips. I guess it gives you a little bit of a um, it gives you some background in how to you know, collaborate you know, effectively. I mean, because you're obviously collaborating when you're doing that kind of work, and oh, yeah, um, and that's kind of I mean, how that really can't ever be a bad experience. You know what I mean? It shouldn't. I mean, it's good to have that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, very rarely though do I see do I look at um, like when you have a. Uh, a big thing like SpongeBob, and you see somebody else do like guest art and stuff like that. In your case, you did your contribution, and it's very rarely do I see something like that. And say, oh, I like their style equally or better. But in your case, I really did like what you did with it. It was really cool. Um, oh yeah, I liked your I liked your take on it, and definitely has your style because you definitely have a style. Um, mm-hmm. And um, that that of which I love, which I'm going to get into in a second here, but. Uh, Really, for me, I started following you, I think it was probably around 2014, 2015. And that's when you were producing a comic called A Witch Named Coco. Yep. And, and that what attracted me, really, to be honest, to it was the arts, the loose art style. And I kind of, I kind of associated a little bit with Jay Ward, UPA blend. It's hard to describe, but but um, uh-huh. definitely a Brubaker blend in there. But I mean, it's got the, I, I, I don't know, it just it's the loose style. And it, you see some, there's some, you know, the, the whole, the whole uh, web comic, uh, I guess, market, so to speak, is is just saturated with, you know, these, crisp you know tight lines and and you know beautiful stuff out there but you have a a looser style that like almost like a tom terrific oh um, yeah style to it and i, and I love that and um and so obviously i've i backed that up because i purchased some of your books and the uh-huh. uh coco collections back in the day and um oh yeah but what i wanted to get into also was during that time though you began a new comic based on an idea you had, which proved to be the genesis for Ask a Cat, and what can you tell me about that a little bit? How did Ask a Cat come into to come into being? Uh, well, you know, back when back then, you know, Tumblr had a, you know, it was kind of a trend on Tumblr where you get your followers to ask you a question, and then you would respond by drawing right. in response. And I kind of wanted to do a similar thing with the Coco characters, but I. I don't remember why I decided to do this, but I decided, you know, to not use the characters and instead just draw this generic cat. You know, I've been doodling, so I solicited questions, you know, for this cat to answer, and I got a few. So I drew about my drew in response, and you know, I did. I figured I would only do like five or six of these strips, but I ended up doing like 
20 or 30 and <laughs> yeah so i just so i just kind of kept going after that so obviously that you you as you were producing these you found that you know it had a reach so um and it had some definite appeal to the uh viewers of the blog and everything in tumblr but so what was next what was your strategy for then taking that uh ask to the next level i mean was it did you decide okay maybe i need to go hit the convention route i mean what was your your strategy to take that to possibly generate some income and um you know to look beyond just tumblr what you know well you... yeah i was i think the first thing i did was i created a few you know created mini comics because i didn't you know enough strips so i think i did i think i took the first 10 or 20 and made a mini comic out of it you know and took it to the first convention, you know, and up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I actually sold sold out all the acid cats I had. So <laughs> that's a good feeling. Yeah. And at the same time, I also submitted the strips to Go Comics, you know, because I had enough that I could submit. And around us, you know, sometime later, I got an email from them saying they want to run it on their site. So that just it just kind of fell into place. You know yeah momentum then at that point right it just yeah yeah that was yeah i had momentum and i took advantage of it yeah. pretty much yeah that's awesome that'd be a great time a great feeling you know oh well, yeah God. that's oh, gonna yeah. be cool yeah so now <clears throat> correct me if i'm wrong is that is is ask a cat still running or is it did it stop last year i can't uh, i did you I it? I stopped the strip in December last year. Okay, it's right. been a, it's been a rerun. It's been a reruns on Go Comics since then. Yeah, cool. That's still cool because now I notice your your focus is into Fuzzy Princess. Correct. I mean that's your oh yeah yeah, yeah. Your latest yeah. yeah. Pretty so, much. Which, by the way, now that I've got you, I wanted to. Um, I love I love it's Kuma right? Pronounce Kuma the bear. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite character. But I was looking last night, late last night. I really couldn't sleep, so I'm just kind of looking around and looking through some of your um, actually at the books and some of the stuff online. And uh, a couple of things just made me chuckle that I had forgotten about. And one was just just the name Lauren Ipsum, and I obviously know what you were doing there. But it was uh, <laughs> it's cool, you know, a little little nod to the uh, Cicero and. Um, Typesetting and all that kind of stuff. That's uh, oh yeah, that was funny. And then um, oh, there was something else. You what was it? Um, oh I, well, the, even the the subtle stuff. Like you know, there's you had the book of things. You know, you had that uh, one of your characters was um, sitting on top of the book of things. Well, I guess when um, I don't know, I'm trying to remember what strip that was. Gosh, I can't I can't remember what which one that was. But it was. Just, you have a lot of subtleties in a lot of your work and um, little nods to this and that, and I think that's really clever. It's really cool. Um, even in some of the names and everything, it's kind of cool. But uh, uh-huh. love it. I, d- I did want to ask you what prompted you to, with the Fuzzy Princess, uh, go the dot screen route with the halftones. And oh, yeah. Is that just something different you wanted to try? Was it more of a just a throwback? Um, you just wanted that style. That, I love it, but I was just curious what prompted that. Uh, yes, you know it's a throwback style, you know, and yeah, and I like the dot screen look. And, but you know, the other the other big reason is you know I was, you know, at that point I was starting to get 
sick of doing color, I guess. Like, because it took it takes a long time to do color, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I had a like I had a system, you know, to speed up the coloring process, but you know, I was getting annoyed with it, and also, you know, the logistics of what I had to go through to get color books printed was really difficult, and I was I had trouble with it even with the first book and. I kind of real, you know. I guess after around the time I got the second book printed in color, I decided, you know, I don't want to go through with it anymore you know, because it's it's yeah. cheaper to print black and white books and it's a lot simpler process. So yeah, I, so love I decided, it. Yeah, yeah. So I decided, and honestly, I don't know. I don't think it made that much of a difference, you know, in the style personally. So I decided, you know, so you know, not not to do color anymore. Like I still have, I mean, just. Just as a you know precaution, I did I do save like you know the clean line art version of each page you know just in case you know I can you know, some you know we can go go back and add color but you know yeah I'm, I think I'm pretty much sticking to black and white. It's got to be yeah being. huge time saver. I you're probably yeah. not old enough. You may not be old enough to remember. I I mean. I, I remember a time when I was doing a strip that um, just it was more for personal use. This is pre-computer stuff, you know. And um, my dad would run to the uh, – there was this um, art store downtown, and he would come back with these sheets of what they called Instatone, and you would rub it off, right? Uh. So it was like different – you'd have different um, halftones, different, you know um, – dot screens, whatever, and it was just like you would just rub it off. You could just a coin or a burnishing thing and just scrape it on over your artwork. That was so, you know, it was cool. But, you know, now, of course, you can get, um, yeah, you can do that on um, in any software program. Pretty much there's stuff for that, but it's automatic. But I kind of like that that look. I really do. So when I, when I saw that, I was um, uh, pretty cool. It was just like, yeah, that's, that's cool that he's doing that. So, um and you kind of have a your system, your process though is kind of almost in reverse to what a lot of people do, right? So, but but your process allows you to keep originals, so yeah. which is I think really cool. But um, so basically, you or well, I'll just have you explain it. How do you go about a typical fuzzy princess um, process as far as uh, oh, as far as art? Oh, well, I do. The roughs are done. You know, digitally, I use Clip Studio Paint and with a tablet, and I sketch out, you know, and I type the dialogue so I know how big the word balloon should be. And mm -hmm. then once I'm happy with the sketch, you know, I convert it to blue, you know, non-reproduced non blue, and then print it out on cardstock, and then, then I ink directly, yeah. you know, on that. And I use a variety of pens, uh, ranging from fabric markers to fountain pens and you know, i have yeah. several different and brush pens i i use different pens you know for different parts but yeah that's the best part though i mean i love the i love not only the tactile feeling but i love the i, I have a, a t huge pen collection of course i've never found that ultimate flex yeah. nib you know flex nib fountain pen but oh um, yeah you know that you could go down rabbit holes trying to find that, but and and go broke too. But oh, yeah, uh, but yes, I've, I know that. <laughs> I've got a couple I like, but you know it's it's never just right, you know. But but there's some good brush pens out there too, though. Oh yeah, um, 
But and I and I recall you stating one time that you enjoy that as well, working on with the uh, ink, the inks and stuff. And oh yeah, um, I don't know. I just find it satisfying, you know. Yeah, um, I get to, I get it. Very, it's yeah. very satisfying. But uh, and then the bonus, like you said, you have an original that you could either sell or whatever. I mean, that's just that's how can you go wrong with that? I mean, that's really cool. There's something about getting original art that's just it's always going to be. Uh, you know, the best experience, I think. I think it's just cool that you're doing that. But um, anyway, so moving on, though, I want to get into um, this, your latest foray here into um, animation, which is, I mean, if anybody that follows you on um, Twitter, um, uh, you you know, you keep us posted and up to date on your um, your um, progress with different animated projects. And I, I to me, it's fascinating. Um I love it, and, and especially this Charlie the Human that you recently got into. I love that. Oh, um, thank you. So was this a natural progression? Is this something you've always had an interest in, is the, the 2D animation? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. had interested in it as long as I can remember. And, you know, with yeah. – and so I've been, you know, doing, you know, small bits of animation, you know, here and there for a long time now, so – that's cool. Now I'm gonna say this: Charlie the Human f- threw me for a bit because I'm thinking, okay, now somebody's really had to, somebody had to do some homework to to get that whole Charlie Tuna Starkist, uh, you know, background. I know they're still in existence today, but I mean that's been going on forever. And uh, I mean that was to me that was such a cool commercial growing up. I mean that's that's when commercials were cool. You know, when they were animated like that. Um, oh yeah. But uh, and I love the I had it has a '50s '60s beatnik kind of vibe that with Charlie the Human he's kind of like a beatnik character you know mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. um, and uh, just yeah that was just really cool you need to keep going with that if you hopefully you are going to but that's oh, yeah. I don't know I love that um, connection there that was really cool I thought that was and of course you did you did one with Askacat and I was going to ask you about that too because. I think in that one, if I'm correct, you were using uh, Krita, right? Software. Yeah, uh, yeah. For yeah, I used Krita. Um, at least you know I animated at least one of the shots on Krita, and I did a bunch of cleanups with it. And but I used Toon Boom for much of the production as well. Yeah. Huh? You used well, yeah. Toon Boom for the heavy lifting, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they have more options, so. There's another program out there. I don't know if you've tried it. Um, crap, I can't think of the name of it. Oh my goodness! Um, it's more of an organic. It's a it's a huge animation program software, but it's uh, organic, um, not vector. Well, I'm just trying to think what it was called. TV uh, Paint is it? Yeah, TV yeah, Paint? yeah. I figured you know. Yeah, have you tried that? Yeah, yeah, a few times, but a few times, but you know, t- t- it takes a lot of, you know. L- learning curve to it from what our experience although i know a lot of animators who use it a lot and swear by it so just yeah, a no, matter of just it's just whatever you're you know whatever you're comfortable with really yeah um toon boom harmony is obviously the industry industry standard for a lot of um, animation but um oh yeah that and flash i haven't yeah yeah and i was gonna a couple of years back, I was going to try and get into animation, and then you know the just the cost of the software of Toon Boom. I'm like, you better be pretty serious about wanting to get into it, or you know, I don't know. They may have a um, 
a scaled down version that you don't have to have a huge, when you don't require a pipeline. Well, without, you know, without getting into specifics in regards to the numbers, your numbers and everything, but I've always wanted to get the opinion uh, from cartoonists like you, you know, people that are really active today in this uh, creative environment, as far as generating the most income. Do you think it's fair to say that an independent illustrator or animator right now um, gets the bulk of their income from maybe like, uh, well, maybe not so much animators, but like uh, Patreon or is it... Is, you know, is it like yeah. almost, what would you say about that? What would your yeah? It depends on depends on the artist and you know you know how you know what kind of audience they have. But I guess Patreon and commissions and if they have merch, maybe they can make some money selling that as well. So you know, it depends on the level of support they got from their fans. You know, it's, it's yeah. very much a case by case thing, I guess. Well, that kind of leads me to the fact that uh, I'm sure most of the conventions have been, well, a lot of them have been uh, canceled with the oh, uh, yeah. virus stuff. So is that having, how, how much of an impact is that having on you at this point? Oh, yeah, lots. Like, you know, yeah. basically, you know, basically limited the sale of my second book, you know, pretty much because of that. So yeah, hopefully, kinda... hopefully, hopefully it'll subside enough eventually that conventions will reopen again, but that'll be a while i know so just have to storm it out i yeah, know that's got to be hard i was thinking about that too because i'm like what do you you know what could possibly be the temporary workaround i mean it would be really scary to have one outside right unless you knew the weather yeah. was going to be good but um yeah. how do you open that up where you could possibly get i, I just don't see how you do it because um, you know, you're always going to have those that aren't going to want to wear a mask and th that kind of thing, you know, and you've got people jammed in and together and, um, yeah, I don't know how that work would work, but yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this will turn around quickly for you and all everyone else that's in, you know, yeah, getting affected we'll by that. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that goes. Exactly. So that's just, uh. As far as the outlook, though, as far as the the future, you know, what do you what do you see out there? When what do you think it's gonna look like? Just maybe even just two years from now. I mean, if you had a crystal ball, what would you, you know, what do you think it's gonna look like? As far as you know, the different outlets, uh, the future for comic books and strips. I mean, uh, you hear about the comic book industry really getting hammered and. Um, you know, they got their own issues going on with Diamond and all that stuff going on with them. Oh, yeah. But I mean, what do you think? Do you feel confident, feel good about it, the future? or? Well, I think the graphic novel industry and especially all ages graphic novels, I think they'll able to adjust to it, you know, because they've been doing, I think they've been doing okay, you know, even during the pandemic. The comic book industry, that's hard can't really say but you know hasn't really fully recovered since the 90s crash you know to put it mildly so right. i don't know how i don't know how this one you know i don't know how this one will work out so honestly yeah. i can't really say but there's a lot stacked against comic book industry because it's it's been stacked against for at least 20 years now so yeah yeah it's do you uh do you foresee yourself like maybe pursuing the animation side a little more aggressively would you yeah yeah i think i could kind of i think i could see that yeah i've been having fun with animation and i feel 
you know, I could do a lot more stuff, you know, in animation, you know. So, so I, I could I could see myself doing more animation, you know, over time. There used to be um, uh, there used to be a couple websites that that like not too long ago, but they were pretty much almost like a repository for different animation shorts and stuff. People could submit animation shorts and series animation and for the independent animator, I should say. Um, and it was really, I don't know, I thought it was really good. Um, I don't know if it was just hit a little too soon and maybe it'll come back, but th I think I could see in the future online media outlets for just independent animators. In fact, there may be some I'm not aware of right now, but um, that, you know, animators could get an audience uh that way and just and get paid and you know have some kind of revenue coming in for uh consistency uh, -huh. uh you know a series or what i think that would be really cool or yeah i hope I, so yeah, yeah i hope so too yeah i mean i think it'd just be a blast but i loved it it's just at the time though i don't even think it was subscription based and i think it should have been i think that uh -huh. might have been the downfall but uh, um, uh -huh. It was kind of cool. That's back though. That was kind of too uh, back when flash animation was huge for a while. I mean, if you, um, I know oh, John yeah. Crickfalusi was big on the flash animation. Uh, there was a bunch of stuff out there that there was some really good stuff there. Um, and, uh, I just never, and it surprised me cause I never thought when flash first came out, I said, oh, this is never going to, it's going to look choppy. And, but then some of the um, really top quality animators figured ways around it. And there was some pretty smooth animation going on as far as like, you know, um, the the uh, tweening was done really well and everything. And the uh, I think they tweaked Flash to the point where it was um, doing stuff that really wasn't designed to do. And it was producing some pretty cool results. Um, but I think uh, you're not going to go wrong with Toon Boom. So I think you're... You're on the right track there. I think it's cool. But I love your stuff. I love everything that uh, you've been putting out there. And I hope to see more of uh, Charlie the Human, too. Um, it's just it's just cool. And so did you I – th I thought at one point you were trying to recruit some voice talent for that. Or was it – ask the cat. No, it was – I think it was Charlie. Charlie it, was, it, yeah. was, it was Charlie, yeah. Was that a pretty easy process, pretty smooth? Did you get a lot of takers or, or – uh, yeah, I got yeah, I got a surprisingly high number of auditions for that. So I had quite a few to yeah, I got a lot more than I anticipated. So I had quite a few, you know, I could choose, and you know, I eventually choose the ones I liked. You know, and there were a lot of good people auditioning. So yeah, well, that was a fairly that was a fairly smooth process. You know, that's cool. Well, it's been a great pleasure, and I'm, thank you very much for your time. I know you're busy, uh, obviously, because you're always into something with your art. I really do appreciate your willingness to join us here just for a little while, and it was great. Mm -hmm. Thank so, you. Um, so, yeah, so I wish you great success in the coming years, and I will be following you and most likely purchasing some more books as well. So, oh, Thank you. Yeah. So, Buy my books. Buy my books. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I hear you. Well, all right, man. Thank you very much. No problem. And thank you for having me here. Well, that wraps up another interview and episode of What's Your Story? And I sure hope that you enjoyed giving it a listen. If you like what you hear, please feel free to drop me a note with your comments. 
Conversely, if you just hate what you hear or you find my voice revolting, feel free to share that too. I don't like my voice either, so we can share that common thread as well. Also, I'm always on the lookout for future stars in the cartoon world. These can be creatives in the world of webcomics, 2D animation, comic books, storyboarding, and of course, children's books, illustration, and or writing. We don't discriminate here. We love them all. So really, drop me a line. I just, I'd love to hear from, uh, from all of you, anybody that's listening. And uh, hopefully these podcasts reach you uh, at a good point in your life or a good time in your life. And I can be reached at phillipswys at gmail.com. That is phillips with two L's, wys at gmail.com. Until the next episode, stay safe, stay strong, and stay healthy. And for the artists out here that are listening, stay creative. We'll talk to you later. I never seen a tuna in dark glasses. You don't see tunas with cigars every day either. Oh, come on. What's with the shades? I'm going up to the surface for a look around. Like the sun hides my eyes, you know? Ooh, what's up there? A star-kissed tuna scout. A star-kissed tuna scout? Hey, how about if I go along? Forget it, kid. You'll never even notice yet. Why not? You'd never make the weight. Besides, it ain't what you are, it's who you know that counts. You gotta have connections. You got connections? My brother-in-law. Starkist took him last month. I'm sure he put in a wait for me. Yeah, what I tell you? They sent for me. All right, cut the comedy. Sorry, Charlie. Only the best tuna get to be Starkist. Insist on Starkist. Tell him Charlie sent you. <laughs>